So I think we should start off with some good news. There is uh, some? I think there is. I think there is quite a bit of good news. Or if not quite a bit, there is at least some good news. Mm-hmm. The first one is that the lockdowns have started lifting. Yeah, they have. And people are starting to come come back out. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that our podcast is now on Spotify and other platforms like Google Podcasts. So, pretty happy about that. Uh-huh. We are on seven platforms now, which is which, which sounds more uh, impressive than it should be, I think. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely an achievement, I think, because uh the other day when I when I posted an episode, um I, I got a text from one of my friends saying that he was he was happy to be a personal friend of a person who does a podcast on Spotify. Mm. So I feel like uh I, I hope that he listens to this and he he'll know who he is but i feel like that was a really uh that was a really unique compliment <laughs> and it just feels kind of nice also for myself to see it on the app and like you know there's a sort of equality of the platform that like okay there are amazing amazing artists whose work i love mm. on a platform where also there's some contribution that we are making yeah so this is really nice. So I'm just going to do a, a quick rundown of all the apps that were on, all the podcast platforms that were on. So we are on Anchor, we're on uh, Breaker, we're on Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify. And we also have our own RSS feed. So you can just plug it into whatever um, RSS feed if you have one. Um, so you can plug it into that directly. Uh, also, I have my own website now, uh, which is uh, pradyumnagaikwad.com. And we'll probably put something in the description, uh, in the show notes. And uh, there also, uh, I'm going to put all the podcasts so you can listen to it from there as well. So yeah, uh, good news. It only took us a year to get to this point. I feel like that's that's nothing. That's a blink of an eye. Yeah, it's not even that in the larger larger scheme of things and in, in the 14 billion years of existence. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. I think the last episode that we did, I don't know how many people noticed and especially if you're listening to this on Spotify, it will be particularly hard for the listener to realize that our Kodai Kanal episode had video. Mhm. And that is like a little curio that we just decided to do. And I feel like there, there's not a lot of video that really connects to what we're talking about. Yeah, It's just things that we saw and places that we went to. But it's, it's really fun to watch it. For me, it, it reminds me of a lot of things. And it's kind of like it reminds me of the funny incidences. Mm-hmm. But it's really nice. And I think we'll do that once in a while if we get the time and, you know, if we feel like we want to put some put some images or video or some just Easter eggs out there. You do know that it means more work for me, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, the, the, there are no there are no guarantees. There are no... Uh, there are no contracts that we are agreeing upon. Mm-hmm. It might happen. Like, 
most other things. I mean, even this episode, I don't know if if this is going to go up or if this is going to fall into a pit of unaired episodes. <laughs> like our last one. <laughs> and the one before that. And the one sometime before that. So technically they don't exist anymore, so. Yeah, <laughs> we have a hit rate of around 50%, I think. <laughs> I guess in engineering terms, that's not too bad. Yeah, uh, in media terms, it's a lot of loss. Yeah, but summer is here and... Oh, it's monsoon here already. Already? Oh, yeah. For me, the summer is just beginning. The snow has melted away and now we have directly green grass. There was no intermediate stage, which just went from snow to grass and... Now the trees are also like starting to sprout leaves and it's really nice. We have sunny blue sky days, which I love. Mm-hmm. And the temperature for me is is just at that right kind of, um, it's at that point where it's around 12, 13 degrees positive. Ah, that sounds good. Uh, it's like, it's a blue sky. You got You got some fluffy clouds floating around. And the wind is cool, but not freezing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect weather. Just like you can wear a jacket or a hoodie and you feel warm and like you can make some coffee or some hot chocolate and you can just sit mm-hmm. there or just take a walk and it's brisk. I, I am, I'm enjoying this very much. That's nice. Must be good. It's, it's, it's actually getting really hot here and a little bit humid also. So uh, not ideal weather, but... Um, at least it's a little bit better than the summer was like the last two months were really hot and this is just a a, a tiny bit better but yeah things are opening up and it's getting um, actually it's a little weird because like when I go out for groceries and things like that I see so many people it almost feels like um, like a regular day especially at Russia early in the mornings. Yeah. And I don't know what exactly to think about that. I don't know how to feel about um, people going out already. And I've, I've been uh, listening to a bunch of other podcasts. So I guess I can do a recommendation right here. There's a podcast called The Seen and the Unseen uh, by a guy called Amit Verma. And uh, they discuss like economics and politics and uh, sort of that kind of stuff, like mostly big picture stuff. And they did a couple of episodes on the lockdown itself and the coronavirus. And um, it, it it seems like uh, it, it's very insightful. And I don't know how um, in-depth we're going to get go here for this particular topic. But um, there was one thing that uh, they mentioned, which was that um, the main point of having a lockdown was to flatten the curve so that in the time that we we are staying at home, we the government and the hospital, the entire healthcare system can sort of grow its legs and sort of expand so that when the lockdown does eventually get over, um, when the curve again goes up, um, we can have uh, sort of more facilities ready. But uh, there, it's it's sort of vague and it's a little doubtful how um how much expansion has happened in the healthcare system but i i, I think um I, i'll just recommend that uh, if you are interested in listening um to someone more qualified than us talk about uh, the economic aspects of the lockdown uh, i think uh, the seen and the unseen's uh, episode is really good i think it's still it's still hard to kind of take a guess at what's happened 
for me it's been much weirder because i'm not really i'm not really there and what i hear from my friends about how their jobs are going or how their businesses are going is 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 kind of weird there are some people whose lives are not really affected because they just had to work from home and it was fine and it, like they had the ability to and their job was something that could be done whereas i know of some people whose businesses were significantly set back and they're still facing problems and like mm. they're facing problems on so many different scales of like stuff like exporting stuff to a different country where you know uh things like import duty takes place and then one of the ships that my friend's material was on turned out to have like someone having a coronavirus mm. so they kind of quarantined the entire ship yeah which meant that my friend faced delays in delivering his product there's so many little things across the board it's kind of hard i i would be really interested so i think i'll i'll go listen to that podcast mm-hmm. because i am interested in understanding how how things have shifted yeah and i I've, i've heard from a from a bunch of people recently that how our current kind of model of capitalism is kind of uh that's kind of what hurt mm-hmm. the systems themselves that our need to kind of our need to have like a belief in future money is i mean this is what drives yeah our system and that kind of wrecked us i am curious to see if there are like really really smart people who come up with like a different system which perhaps could catch on which is more robust and which can withstand these waves of you know viruses if they are to come mm-hmm. so yeah and um, how's the midnight sun um affecting you okay uh the very short answer is it's it's not great and i do miss the night a little bit mm-hmm. the long answer is that i am enjoying the sunshine and it's really nice and i'm i'm enjoying the midnight sun as well like you know i can step out at half past 2 in the night and i walk out onto my street and i see like a blazing orange sun like like it's early morning mm-hmm. so i those aspects are really great they're really fun but throughout the day it's it's way too bright and it doesn't get dark mm-hmm. ever in the evening my body's kind of expecting to just kind of relax and let the shadows lengthen <laughs> but it doesn't happen they kind of lengthen but the sun just stays up and it's really bright when I, when i'm cooking dinner mm-hmm. it really f- with my head uh <laughs> in the beginning in the beginning i i couldn't i couldn't cope with it at all and it took me like a long time like my sleep schedule got really messed up and i was um I was quite tired every single day because it was just a lot of brightness. Mm. I I felt like I was living multiple weeks at a time without really properly resting even at night. Now we've kind of worked out some strategies and stuff so now we're dealing much better with it. Mm. But yeah, so the reason that the midnight sun occurs here first of all is that I'm in the arctic circle and once we come to the summer solstice which is june 22nd as we come closer towards it uh 
we do have days and nights from from the winter solstice as we come for forwards mm-hmm. but the tilt of the earth's axis kind of just makes it so that we get full sunshine the whole time mm-hmm. and it's it's been an interesting journey because in that transition we went from having sunsets at 7:30 to having sunsets at 11:30 and that period was quite nice mm. because unlike pune we don't have the sun setting in the same place every day yeah so in the winter when the sun barely rose when it did it rose up in the south and it set in the south and it didn't really rise too far up and now it it uh it started moving eastwards the sunrise and the sunset started moving westward but now it's kept moving it didn't stop there and it kept moving towards the north and now the sun uh rises from the north <laughs> goes up through the east to a peak mm-hmm. at uh, at south and then it starts slowing down and towards north again through the west as it goes down but never really crosses the horizon so it's always up i guess i'm lucky in one way that i have a i have a nice hill mm. in the north like from our house due north is a nice hill and it's like the sun goes behind it at least for a couple of hours uh-huh. so that period of say about 11 o'clock to 1 a.m or 1:30 a.m the sun hides behind the hill so then we get some semblance of because of the shadow we get some semblance of like low light yeah but it's really nice in some days because we can play football at midnight without ever having to wonder about you know lights or anything else yeah it's it's a mixed bag but i'm having i'm enjoying it now it it was it was quite tough at the start now we're used to it yeah i think that's how most things go though like anything that's new seems uh very daunting in the beginning <laughs> that's true that's true but a funny thing happened the other day where like i really realized how how deeply my brain is used to like a day night cycle where uh, since the weather is warming up now our house has a nice little balcony where we can sit and work or sit and just in have a chat so when it started warming up one of my first thoughts was oh hey i can i can enjoy a nice cup of coffee at night in the balcony you know just relax in the evening and i i was just enjoying in that mental picture relishing it until like 5 seconds later i realized there is no night <laughs> there will not be a night for another 50 days or so yeah and it's like that image that i have is simply not possible like it, it really isn't and it, it just like this realization comes in different different ways the other day i was reading something about constellations and i i read something about betelgeuse the star in in the orion constellation mm-hmm. and something i saw a photo i think and it, it talked about the star and i started thinking about orion and how you know i we we are taught as kids to identify orion which is quite easy to do yeah and i was like oh, what was the last time i saw it and i started thinking and i couldn't remember what the last time i had seen it was mm. my memories of seeing that constellation were from winter and i don't recall seeing it anymore like recently it's kind of, i felt kind of sad that you know like for next couple of weeks i'm not going to see any stars Ooh. and i hadn't even thought about it's, that it's it's really it's really kind of disappointing in in a very fleeting way that these are things that you rely on or like these are things you 
you take for granted when you live in Pune or almost anywhere around the world. Yeah. And well, yeah, we don't have that here. And people who live here their whole lives, they don't have that during these months and mm. I feel like that's kind of I don't know. That's kind of sad. Yeah. It's good to get that experience though, like to have experienced um living in a in a in a place where there are uh, really long nights and by long is like weeks and uh, long days. So, yeah, I mean, it's good stuff, good fun. Yeah, it it is definitely a great experience and I can like now I can start to really uh, appreciate the stuff that I had taken for granted and makes me like a little bit more grateful, which is not a bad thing yeah but how 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 are the stars in pune or because of the rains have you not seen any the stars are the way they are always um again like orion is like um very easy to spot so like o- almost by uh, default like when i just look up at the sky and i just see orion's belt and then you just know where they are and um you know i've always found it very um again not to romanticize it too much but you know the way um sailors like at least from stories that um sailors have uh, a sort of affinity to the pole star because once you know where due north is then you know um where you're going but uh, in that similar way i think uh, when i look up at the sky or like the first thing after the moon of course the first thing that i the spot is orion's belt and orion so it, it almost feels like it never lets go of me so it, it's just always there and uh, like i might not be able to spot any other stars in the sky at all but uh, i'll always see orion and it's, it's always cool to have you know someone at your back especially when it's a hunter ah nice <laughs> <laughs> but you know that like there are places like i mean not not where i'm staying but like there are places depending on which hemisphere you're in which part mm-hmm. of the year that you may not get to see it yeah but the 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 sad part of it is that i've never been anywhere except this hemisphere <laughs> this very narrow geographic region so uh, at least for now i think it's that and it, it it will be me abandoning orion rather than orion abandoning me <laughs> i i don't know if you if you read this about beetlejuice but i think this happened a couple of months ago when people were noticing that its brightness had really decreased hmm. so there were people starting to wonder whether it was going to go supernova mm mm-hmm. I I even after reading that article I also looked out for it and I did notice that like it was much dimmer mm-hmm. and I don't know what's happened since because I mean now we don't get to see it anymore yeah uh, I haven't really checked up on it but I don't think it I don't think it went supernova if it does go in this I guess century in this decade maybe to hope <laughs> but if it does that would be amazing yeah but it would also alter this constellation that has existed for 3000 years yeah but you know like if it were if we were to see it happen in our lifetimes it will have gone supernova like year, like years ago so um oh yeah it's it's now when you see it like you know if a, if a If a star goes supernova in the forest <laughs> does it really make a sound 
<laughs> I think you could say that about uh, any of the stars in the on the Ursa constellations, major and minor. <laughs> oh, funny thing about bears, by the way. Um, something I found out, like it's a fact I found out a while back, but it's it's always um, sort of stuck with me. And uh, like I was just reminded of it because we've spoken about language and the way it works uh, before. But um, so th- there's this. Um, so what the fact is is that the word bear, the word that we use for the animal, is not the actual word. It's like it's just a word that they used to use to because they were too afraid to say its name. Uh, sort of like Voldemort and you know who. So we're basically calling the bear you know who uh, when we don't know its actual name because we've forgotten because we were so scared of this animal. and it's quite interesting to think about it that way wow i that that's that's really cool like wh- where does it come from like where did this start do you know i think it has uh, germanic roots uh, I, i would presume largely from the black forest region okay because i mean that's pretty funny that we were so scared of bears that we we gave them a name but we didn't use it mm-hmm. and we gave them another name to use like a like a placeholder sort of and i would be really curious to find out if like but hold on do do you know if like they have like found what the original word for bear was or is it just completely lost no that's exactly the point that we we've just completely forgotten collectively forgotten that what the word was oh okay 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 i thought it was like it was lost to the you know mists of time but like now people found it written down somewhere i don't know in some parchment or something no no we just don't know <laughs> <laughs> now i'm beginning to question the name of like all major predators that could have scared like mm-hmm. i mean okay language is a lie <laughs> i'm still kind of rolling it over in my mind and it's that's really odd it is isn't it <laughs> So I found out that this region where I live uh this northern part of Sweden mm-hmm. apparently bears are quite common around here mm-hmm. and I had plans to go just like trekking and stuff and now I'm slightly bit more nervous than I was before mm-hmm. because apparently they are I mean this part yeah I mean this part of Sweden is much much more wild mm-hmm. than the southern bit so more forests more wilderness and more bears obviously hmm. on the bright side if you came across one you could ask it what it what its name is hey, uh, yeah that's true and he doesn't know what my name is so i guess we're on equal ground there <laughs> you can be the ambassador for all humankind uh, yeah <laughs> okay so i came across this question a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. i kind of saved it because i really like that question and now i'm going to ask you that What's your favorite bridge? My favorite bridge. So I I think this answer would change uh based on all the bridges that I would see in my lifetime. Like there's a lot of famous bridges that I haven't seen yet. So uh, you know like I would love to see But you know I mean it doesn't have to be a famous bridge. Yeah. My question is what's your favorite bridge right now? Um I don't even know if it has like a proper name. I'm sure it has like a proper name, but it's just this bridge that is in Pune and uh, I just like it, but I don't know if it's a real name, but it's colloquially called Z bridge. 
um so yeah it, it's just this tiny little bridge for two wheelers that uh, goes across uh, the river that sort of uh, bifurcates uh, pune city and uh, it's it's one of the bridges that i've used a lot like throughout college and high school so it, uh, it it's very cool and nice but most importantly it has this outcrop on one side i think it's there so that they can expand it and have it connect to at a different point uh, on that on that bank of the river but uh, at least for now is just completely empty so usually there's just empty space on that side uh, and it's quite cool because there's enough space for you to park your bike and just get down and look around and you get a really nice view of the river and you can see all the other small bridges and you see the bank and um especially when it's sort of good weather usually around um around this time essentially just before monsoon or just after when there's a lot of clouds because at that point the buildings are really um, not very tall so you actually get to see a lot of the sky and you get to see the reflection in the river and it just is quite cool uh, during the day and the night so that's my favorite bridge i guess okay nice good good choice mm-hmm. i like it i understand that sentiment because when i tried to answer that question i also came up with a similar reasoning so yeah although i don't think i've ever spent that much time or have used that z bridge as much because i just ended up using like one of the alternate ones for some reason just happened to be mm-hmm. but now i'm next time i think i go past the z bridge i'm going to keep an eye out yeah and it's and it's cool because uh i i actually like it so much that i would just go every like just almost uh, instinctively i would go on that route and uh, almost every time that i went i would stop and take at least a couple of pictures or just just sit there and just look out at the uh, at the river and sometimes you'd also see um a lot of predatory birds uh that would just swoop down and uh, catch some fish and that was always really cool to see so the, it was a nice place to see a little bit of the a little bit of nature in the middle of the city yeah and i guess it's it's situated nicely between like two intensely busy places one which is the old city of pune and the jm road which is extremely busy mm-hmm. almost at all points of the day so yeah i like it that's a good choice and also because i think uh, pune is uh, like set on uh, two rivers so essentially two like a y so two rivers uh, tributaries that become one yeah but um, because of that we have a lot of bridges that go across uh, a lot so uh, and because because of the weird way that roads are made here like on my daily commute from college i would have to uh, skip across the bridge and then go for a little bit and then again come on the same side and it was always weird that i would I, that i had to go that way because just a small section of it was uh, sort of made for only one direction and um, not not the not the british boy band uh, and uh, we would ha- and it, it was weird but because of that there's a lot of bridges that are like old and some of them which are new and there are some parallel bridges and uh, some of them are like really um, really interesting because some of them are really old and they have like these plaques on them which tell you of the day of the foundation and uh, by whom and uh, it it's quite nice to see a little bit of history there um and you know like usually like these old buildings you can't really get into the buildings yeah. b- uh, so you can't really use them 
but uh, like a bridge is something that you use every day which is quite cool so there's this bridge called sangam bridge near your uh, your old college yeah uh, which was pretty cool and uh, i i i think it has isn't that the one that has those lions on the ends of it that's you're right you're right it does and there are similar lions on the bund garden bridge as well which was on my commute to college but yeah i mean it's it's cool stuff some of these bridges are quite um, memorable for me even like the main uh, the lakdi pul or uh, the lb shastri bridge mm-hmm. uh, near deccan which is also quite nice because again that was a, a bit which was on my daily commute for a bit uh, and uh, this was a time when i used to go by bus to college and then i used to walk back from there to um another place and uh, and it was always like a nice commute because again it's it's a the river is quite wide at that point so you get to see a lot of the river and you get get to see uh, quite far in the distance and it's just a nice place and it's an old bridge yeah first of all i am extremely impressed that you have the name of lakdi pool like right on the tip of your tongue because i had no idea what it was called or maybe i had heard its name but it's like lakdi pool has always been the the reference so kudos hats off to you for that mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Lakdi Pool, by the way, for non-Marathi listeners, is um, is wooden bridge. Uh, just a smaller clarification, but the bridge is not actually made of wood. It has since been uh, made out of uh, rocks and concrete. Uh, but it is still sort of on the old skeleton of the older bridge, which was wooden. Yeah. Which sort of, uh, and it's very old. I can't remember from back when, but and it's from the early days of when Deccan area sort of became a popular part because most of the city was was just on one side of the river, and then the Deccan area, which is now uh, sort of FC Road and um, where I think the F- Ferguson College came, and then a lot of the area around that developed. um this bridge was like one of the early bridges that joined both halves so it, it, it's quite historic quite iconic and um, it's sort of on the it it is so central i think in pune that if you were to go from any place any point on in pune to any other point in pune uh, if it's sufficiently far away i think you would have to cross lakdi pul at least in my experience that has been the case so yeah and i think having heard my grandmother talk about it i think it's also quite important and like dear to older punekers it's it's a symbol of like the older pune and like it, it's got a lot of memories attached mm-hmm. to it and stuff like that but yeah i'm yeah i i have not really used it that often myself because it was i think for the most part it is still a four wheeler only bridge right you can't drive a two wheeler onto it it is a four wheeler bridge uh, and i mean like it just bans two wheelers on that bridge for uh, the chunk of the day for 14 hours during the day so you can't go on it from 7 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night right apart from that if you're like if you go late at night you can legally use that bridge yeah but uh, i i i never got to go uh, on it so much but the 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 few times when i was late from uh, late and when i got to go on it on a bike it 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 always felt like a thrill like you got you got to do something that you were never supposed to do like you got like unlimited access to a bridge that was not supposed to be yours and it was quite cool yeah i i get that feeling i think i might have done that once or twice just like a late night drive across lakdi pool mm-hmm. but for the most part i would use the bide pool 
which is just a few few meters down river and it's that's the sh- short one mm-hmm. and i would cross over and i would end up going underneath lakadi pool almost every day on, on my commute and i remember i think in 2017 or 18 i can't remember exactly when but roundabouts that time they put up uh, leds on on the bridge like in the arches and on the sides and it's turned uh, like yeah. every time i would cross after that you could see the lights kind of changing and it was it was a nice touch but i <laughs> I, i i think that i i haven't had that much interaction with that bridge as much as i maybe would like to have had <laughs> at the same time bhide pool is wonderful mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with it except for the fact that it spends a lot of time underwater yeah it does it, like i think all of monsoon it just spends underwater but there's another bridge which is like very close to the the water level but one that i quite like is the one that goes from uh, the municipal corporation building yep. to shanivarwada yeah is this tiny little bridge that goes across with uh, i think just two lanes on both sides and it's very small but again that also has like a nice view because on one side it has like a, an old stone bridge and on uh, on one side it has uh, like a, a bend in the river that you can see so you get mm-hmm. to see quite a bit of the river and it, it's quite nice it's actually one of my favorite spots on the bank of the river and i feel like this, this is something i was discussing with a friend of mine uh, and and you know the the thing is that I I I have so many memories of like these beautiful places um in Pune which are acro- along the bank and uh, my my it's like my um dream to see the the city really do a big project and clean up the river because it gets so dirty and especially uh, during some times of the year it it really smells a lot but uh, you know like just after monsoon is usually the time by the point where all of the water has sort of cleaned everything so uh, at that point it's quite nice but uh, overall i think if we cleaned up the river i think it would be just so much more beautiful and so much more pleasant to just sit around and just have fun and just have a nice peaceful time yeah that that seems like a very very beautiful picture you're painting and i I kind of almost cannot imagine it because I don't think that's going to happen in Pune <laughs> honestly but I I would love it if if that does happen for me it's more towards the ecological side of things where like I mean I have seen some like birds sometimes you know walking around in the trash and it's really sad it really mm-hmm. is so yeah it is i i hope that like something does happen but anywho the river is so unique because uh there's there's this one area just near bhide bridge where you always have these circuses when they come to town when they come to that area of the town they always pitch their tents in this one almost designated area which is just by the river so it, it would just be terrible if it just if there were there was a flash flood but uh, uh because all of that area gets submerged and uh, another thing that i like about the river is uh, that i like about rivers in general is i because i've seen so many pictures of like uh, new york and london where the they have uh, boats going through the rivers 
and it it has always fascinated me and i would love to just have like a a boat and uh, sort of go along the river and i think that would be quite good because uh, my commute would also be cut short by a lot uh if there was a good riverway system but uh, I, the the main culprit b- b- behind that is bhede bridge your favorite bridge because it's just so low and yeah a lot of other reasons as well of course yeah but i think i think you might be in your imagination you might be exaggerating the extent to which these rivers would be uh you know filling up because we've only seen them in the regular state which is like you know just a little trickle of water or super flooded when the dams upstream open but i think yeah like since pune is on this side of the sahyadris where you you're in technically the rain shadow we wouldn't have that much water it would be it would be half decent but i don't think it would be a lot of water like the way you're imagining i think from other cities around the world yeah i know i know it's more of a um, it's more something that can happen on coastal waters if you do want to take a boat ride of a sort down the river just a little bit uh, i i think like you could try talking to the boat club at coib because those guys often put like their kayaks and i mean the whole boat club obviously is related to the river because that's you've been on the river right in a boat i have kayaked ooh that that sounds fun i mean technically yeah we i've done it a few times but yeah i uh, the kayaking i did was not in a river and it was like a very still lake and it was it was really nice mm-hmm. but i don't recommend pune rivers for kayaking i haven't been there i don't think i want to which is part of the reason i never joined the boat club mm-hmm. in spite of like a lot of people trying to just convince me otherwise so that that's that's a real possibility yeah although i think water transport kind of goes out the window when you consider the fact that like the government is investing heavily into this metro you know it's it's supposed to be the way of the future yeah i think your boat dreams are quite impossible <laughs> yeah um and i i think also it, it's more feasible to have a metro system um or at least think about it that way once the metro is actually done because it is just a lot of inconvenience right now because so many of the roads are congested because of metro constructions it's also like it's been it's been delayed for a long time Uh, I remember I think the first estimates were that it was supposed to be done by 2021 and this is way before the lockdown and uh, like the progress that I saw uh, a few months ago was sort of quite bad like it, it was abysmal um so I don't think it's going to be done by I think like 2024 or 23 or 24 it's going to be a couple of years more I mean if if we're talking about construction delays uh i think one of the most spectacular examples is the james webb telescope because i don't know if you see that xkcd comic where he he draws like this this line of projected deadlines for completing the james webb telescope and current date and okay i'm going to send it to you right now okay i actually thought you were going to go a different way i thought you were going to talk about the uh, the road what's it called uh it's it's colloquially called dp road but it's not actually dp road it's rajamantri road which is uh this road again by the river which 
the construction never stops it's crazy i think like it's just a an ongoing like a rolling contract where they build one lane and then the next lane and then the next lane and then they go back to the first lane and then the next lane and the next and they just keep doing that like just in a circular loop and like i, I kid you not the elevation on that road has gone i think a good 15 to 20 feet just because of the amount of road works that happens there <laughs> i i believe the point of that road is that the construction may never stop the progress of uh, that road shall march on forever <laughs> it's sort of like capitalism isn't it it's endless progress based on limited resources <laughs> yeah i see the xkcd comic this was made a couple of years ago i i, I just thought of that as uh, although to be fair uh the delays for this this telescope are like huge amounts of technical stuff a lot of things to do with like different equipment construction also like budgets of the agencies contributing to construct it so there's a lot of delays but i guess that could be that could be equally validly applied to dp road <laughs> yeah nasa is just finding it in its budget to fund dp road technical difficulties we all have those we know what it's like i am actually working on a video essay about uh, the the up series which is a documentary uh, series made by a really cool director called michael apted he's made some cool films as well but uh, this documentary series is just crazy because in uh, i think in the 1960s they started uh, a series of documentary films called, uh, starting with seven up and then which was basically um, they got seven kids uh, from um, just all around uk and they got them together and they just has had them sit down and had a conversation with them just a small interview about their life what they do their friends their family and what they're going to do when they grow up very typical childish conversation these seven year olds and then um every seven years this director goes back to them and interviews them along similar lines but also as they grow up on on more uh, difficult topics and um the series has been going on for a long time like it started with um seven up back in like a long time ago and they've had a, a movie every 7 years and they've reached 63 like 63 up is the most recent one which came out last year and it's it's almost um you know it's mind boggling how amazing uh, or uh, just how much commitment one has to have to be able to do that and to get all of them in the documentary and just document their lives and uh, it's weird because the, the thing is that this uh, documentary series started before the time of reality television and it started um sort of before that time when you know any this had been experimented so you can think of boyhood as a film which documents a life um over a span of whatever 12 13 years but this is essentially an entire life and you know there are there are there are moments in the later documentaries where uh he will ask them a question about um for example what are you doing now where are you staying what is your job that kind of a stuff that kind of a thing and then uh y- when the p- person answers he will cut back to uh 
a footage from when he was seven or 14 and uh, answering that question of where would you be staying? What would your dream job be? And it's so, uh, you know, the entire premise of that series was that uh, if you know a kid at seven years of age, you sort of know where they're going to be headed and what their life is going to be. And the documentary just blows your mind away because it's so true for so many of them. But also uh, sort of you you can see how it can go off track. It's just an interesting um, series of documentaries and uh, it, it gets quite heavy sometimes because you start thinking about your own uh, life and your own decisions and just try to question yourself. Now, I'm I'm 22, for example. And uh, even if even if I was in this documentary, I would be in three documentaries and I would have questions answered at age seven, at 14 and 21. Right. And I would definitely have really different answers because I was at I was very different at these uh, yeah. ages. Right. So it, it's just uh, it, it's weird because it's so um, true and it's so just completely out of left field in its mm-hmm. approach. Uh, but also it, it never gets um, sorry, it never gets preachy it never there's no like bigger agenda of seeing uh, you know talking about mortality or talking about you know the bigger meaning of life or anything mm-hmm. like that it's just basic um, sort of contemporary questions and they end up giving you an insight on life which is just completely off the charts because uh, I mean I don't think I I don't want to build it up too mm-hmm. much but even if I do I think it it, it will still um, you know it will still power through that it'll it'll still stand through because it's it's really really good and I think it's something it so th- there are these few recommendations that I have like I usually keep recommending a lot of things to a lot of people uh, which you of course know but uh, there are there is this one sort of um, category or classification of recommendations that I make which are every person has to watch or see or read this thing and I think the up series is one of those yeah because you watch that and like I'm 23 and I'm like three documentaries out of nine right of the the nine documentaries that they've had so I'm I'm only I'm only 22 but when you see these documentaries you you see yourself in that 21 year old and then you start imposing and you start sort of uh, extrapolating from your own data set, so to speak. And you you see where you would be headed when you would be, say, 56 or 63. And it, it it's so crazy because it, it just blows your mind. It's okay. just, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know if I can make a coherent sentence out of this, but. So I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to watch the first two. I'm going to set that as, as my homework. Mm-hmm. And let's say let's say that like I'll I'll watch these the first two ones because I feel like just watching one is maybe not enough context. Like watching one and two would give me some kind of reference and like some some idea a little bit get me started on the path. Mm-hmm. So how about I'll, I'll go watch the first two and we can discuss that on the next episode and put that as a homework because I have I I just looked it up and uh-huh. they say that it is available on netflix instant and it's quite highly regarded so i'm just gonna go watch that and i because your description on the one hand it sounds really interesting just to have like such a big picture kind of overview of 
any person's life in uh, uh rather from like an uh, a less subjective perspective of like not a story told by another person or by themselves like not biographical or autobiographical yeah and just actual sn- sort of snapshots of that person in time that sounds really interesting and i am curious to like mm. kind of get what you're saying because i don't really understand what what you mean when you start saying like you're extrapolating stuff because for me this just feels like you can't really extrapolate these things you know like with the person you were as a 7 year old or a 4 year old that's like that's a completely different person and i doubt i like the current me and a child me yeah we have certain interests mm-hmm. that are in common like there are still certain things that i like that i have retained from my childhood mm-hmm. but in so many other ways i feel like a completely different person and in many ways i am yeah. but it's like i i'm curious to to find the threads of connection that you're talking about and i feel like that seems interesting and like documentaries have always mm-hmm. kind of seemed boring to me i i used to watch the stuff that was on like national geographic or discovery as a kid you know mm. that that kind of thing that just mm-hmm. came on and then one of the documentaries maybe caught your eye and it was really nice it was like maybe about sharks and you just loved sharks as a kid so you watched it but other than that i didn't really get into this kind of side of like films that i that exists and recently i i have started enjoying just documentaries yeah on their own i don't know uh, like now i don't really find I, i don't really find the topic to be of that much importance earlier it used to be that i would have only watched a documentary because it was about certain topics that i found interesting whereas now it's much much less specific like i, I mean as, as a kid we all loved things like planet earth and those were amazing and that was something to discuss yeah and now i i find there are like documentaries on youtube you know and like they're one hour or two hours long and i still might watch them with enthusiasm which just seems like in the eyes of like a couple yeah. years ago myself it seems like a very boring boring outlook but those documentaries are so interesting now that <laughs> I am I am slowly really getting into it <laughs> but but before that I, I would just like to add uh, two things one I got to know about this documentary from um from Roger Ebert's um reviews like Roger Ebert is this like iconic film critic and uh, he he is highly regarded as one of the best of all time and um, i i have always found his reviews to be really really um helpful in understanding a film or to uh, just just you know just find a way to see cinema in a way that is um so sort of immersive and so insightful and so poignant but um, so on his uh, website there's a bunch of um, films that are, that he regarded as great films great movies i think is called it's called so in that list of films i found the up series together as just one film as one entry and that's where i found it and i started watching it and i will make one recommendation to you as well as the listeners if they're watching this um i will say don't watch them in one go like have a little bit of space at, at least like a, a day or two days to just um 
sort of just think about it just just sort of let it seep into you and just let it simmer under the surface because um like i think that is a much better experience when you when you're thinking about it just just subconsciously just have it do things in your head and uh, another thing is because um from the second documentary onwards they also do show you clips from the first one from like the previous ones so it can feel a little repetitive but uh, just just power through that because again um it might seem repetitive because you've you've seen the previous documentary right there or like very recently but just understand that they were made 7 years apart and also the fact that when uh, every time when they um when they cut to something from the previous um documentaries it's also sort of setting up the conversation for this one or like it sort of helps you um create parallels in your mind or it helps you sort of get context of where this person comes from or what their ideas were like 7 years ago or 20 21 years ago and uh, it, okay. it's just edited in in a way that it makes you um it, it makes the conversations seem more complete or it, it essentially gives you references to the previous opinions just have that in your head but do watch them and see i think at least watch the first two so that you have uh, a general idea of how it is and then if you like them and you want to you can watch the rest of it okay all right uh and oh by the way how how long are they like how how long is one say i don't know one episode one documentary they they like uh, feature film length they're like an hour to an hour and a half so around 90 minutes i would say on an average okay. and these were these were made for these were not documentaries made uh, always for uh, theatrical or you know film festival uh, audiences they were they were published on tv i think they were made for bbc i'm not exactly sure but for a british television network for itv it was made for itv Okay. So um it's so it's supposed to be broadcast on television so it's an hour long um but there are versions of it I don't know which one you'll be able to see but there are versions of it which are essentially uh, three part uh, uh, like a mini series almost so you have three one hour episodes for some of the later ones or you might have just a two hour long uh, feature film sort of Uh, documentary feature documentary uh, that was shown at film festivals and this and that kind of a place okay but whatever you find just watch it because it's it's really um and you know i, I, I was just looking up the thing and you know it, it says uh, in the fourth episode which is 28 up it was chosen by roger ebert's uh, for Re- roger ebert's list of the 10 greatest films of all time okay all right I- i'm not going to lie on the face of this whole endeavor i feel like it seems it seems kind of boring even though my appetite for documentaries has increased it still does not make this sound very appealing mm-hmm. but it's still like it's your your praise is pushing me towards kind of checking it out and i'm going to i'm going to watch the first two episodes like you prescribed a couple of days apart and we can discuss them and i will see if i can get hooked into this or otherwise what happens but yeah i mean it it certainly sounds like i mean just the scale of the whole series i think is enough for it to become certainly important that's the homework for this time 